What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our online Water's Edge Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so very much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. For those of you that continue to give online, thank you so very much for your generosity. We were able to have a food pantry this past week. We were able to feed so, so many hurting people from the community because of your love, your teamwork with us, and your giving and your generosity. So if you give online, if you're meeting our $10 challenge, thank you so much for doing that. Continue to do that if you can, and if you love what we do and how we try to reach out and help people. Also, for those of you that continue to tune in and you like and share these messages with your friends and family, Thank you so much for doing that. We have people tuning in from all over the place. Continue to do that. We're so glad that you joined us today. Today, we begin a brand new holiday series entitled Christmas Songs. Last week, I put up a post on social media asking people to name their favorite childhood Christmas song. And so many people participated on that social media post. And I knew that so many people would, in fact, more people than normal. And I think one of the reasons why is because it brings up so many memories that we had as kids, maybe when things were more innocent for us and maybe when life, maybe those songs remind us when life wasn't as confusing and sometimes as difficult as it is right now. It was such a popular post because it brought us back to a time when we could escape maybe some difficult things that we're suffering through in our current life right now. So today I want to start this series off by talking to you about my favorite childhood Christmas song and why it was my favorite childhood Christmas song growing up and actually kind of what I learned about life through this song and about God's love. But before I do that, I want to tell you some of the most popular Christmas songs that were on that social media post. The most popular one was Mary Did You Know? And I always tell people that she did know. The angels told her, so she knew. But anyway, that was the most popular song. Silent Night, and then Little Drummer Boy, and then Rudolph, and then another really popular one was Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. So I thought that was pretty funny. Now, many of these songs that you and I, we used to sing in school, we used to sing them in programs, religious programs, or we heard them in holiday cartoons growing up, and it reminded us again, like I said, of an easier time and a less confusing time. And so I think that this series should be very nostalgic, and I think that it should be very fun. But also each week, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the events that surrounded the birth of Jesus, and I want us to look at what God may be saying to us through the events that surrounded the birth of Jesus and how we can apply these truths to our life in very deep and personal ways. And so in this series, we're going to be dealing with some very deep and personal issues. Hopefully, this will help us out. It'll help us in our personal life. It'll help us with our faith, our personal faith. It'll help us get closer to our God, Jesus Christ. But first, my favorite childhood Christmas song was Frosty the Snowman. Because growing up as a kid, I was always fascinated with snow. And I guess the reason I was always fascinated with snow because I was growing up in southwest Louisiana and snow was very, very rare. Um, but there was a few reasons why I love that song, Frosty the Snowman, so much growing up. The first reason was this, and remember this today. To me, being from the South, <clears throat> the character of Frosty was an example of someone who didn't really fit into society. And let me tell you why. Check out these lyrics. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. That's going to stand out. And to be honest with you, when I was growing up and I would hear that song, it just kind of reminded me of maybe what it felt like to not fit into society. He wasn't like the other kids, even though he was trying to play with the other kids. And sometimes as a kid growing up, I didn't feel like I fit in with society. And then the bridge says that he only came to life. He was only able to play with the other kids and dance around when the song says when they would place an old top hat 
on his head that they found. And so the second reason that I loved that song as a kid growing up was because of this. And remember this, it represented the life and the love that we can pour into each other. The lyric says there must have been some magic in that old top hat they found for when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. That was one of my favorite parts of the song. And it just let me know that sometimes we can pour life into each other. But the last part of the song has always spoken to me. The last part of the song is my favorite because it reminds me of life. And it reminds me of love. And it reminds me of memories. And it reminds me of real feelings and real emotions. And it reminds me of hurt. And it reminds me of loss. And it reminds me of pain. And it reminds me of how we need each other during these times and how sometimes life doesn't stay the same. It just doesn't. And the, the last part of this song reminded me of that, of how sometimes things can happen to you in this life and your life and my life is just not the same. It's not the way that it used to be. This is the last lyrics in the song. Frosty the snowman knew the sun was hot that day, so he said, let's run and we'll have some fun. Now, before I melt away, Frosty the snowman had to hurry on his way, but he waved goodbye saying, don't cry, I'll be back again one day. And so if I would let this song speak to me in a deeper way, I would say this, that not everything lasts. And so because of that, it all matters. It matters. It matters how we love it. It matters how we forgive. It matters how we cherish the moments with the people in our life that we love. And while we have them, it matters that we actually cherish people and, and while we have them, but also how you and I can help each other through painful times and confusing times as we pour life into each other and love into each other as we follow Jesus. And how it also matters how we make the people feel around us who are hurting because there are other people in our life right now that's going through things and they're hurting and how we need to recognize that and how we need to be very careful to show love, intentional love to the people around us who are deeply hurting. And so as we begin this series today, that's what I want us to deal with, how we need to be very careful, how we show God's love to the people around us who are hurting right now in our lives. Several years ago, when I was a youth pastor, one of my students from my youth group, her father was murdered in a family dispute. And so they asked me to be a part of the funeral. And so they asked me to speak at it. They also asked another local pastor to speak at this funeral. And it was the first service that I'd ever spoken to for a situation like this where I had a youth group member and one of their family members was murdered. And so the first service was outside. It was rainy. It was cold that day. And only about 20 people showed up. And it was awkwardly silent. And the young girl from my youth group, I remember that day, she was so heartbroken that her dad was gone that she was just weeping the entire time. All you could hear really was her weeping and the raindrops on the ground. Well, I spoke first and after I spoke, the second pastor got up and he was speaking. And as he finished speaking at that funeral, he asked for anyone there to sing a song. And the song that he wanted someone to sing was Amazing Grace. He was just asking for a volunteer. Well, no one wanted to sing a song on the spur of the moment. And he just kind of stood there waiting for someone to volunteer. Like sometimes at a service when you ask for people to stand up and speak if they want to speak. Well, he didn't do that. He asked for someone to sing a song. Well, then out of nowhere, the only person to step forward and volunteer to sing that song was that young girl in my youth group. And so I remember her saying, I will. I'll sing Amazing Grace. And as she stepped forward to think, I remember to sing, I remember thinking, how in the world is she going to do this? How in the world is she going to sing this song? Her father has just passed away. He's gone. She's heartbroken. It's cold outside. It's rainy outside. It was around Christmas time. 
How is she going to compose herself to sing? And to be honest with you, I'd never heard her sing before. And I, I didn't think that she could sing because her speaking voice didn't seem like it was the type of voice that would allow her to have a good singing voice. And so I thought, man, I, please, I don't want her to embarrass herself. And then her tears dry up and with no music, in the awkward silence, she starts to sing Amazing Grace. And it was amazing. And it was beautiful. Her singing voice was completely different from her regular voice, and it was outstanding. This big, beautiful voice that was singing Amazing Grace with no band, just out in the woods at a gravesite. No choir, no piano, no keyboards, no guitar, just the raindrops and her voice. This big, beautiful voice was singing Amazing Grace out of a heartbroken young child. And all of us in that moment were so emotional. We were so moved. We didn't expect something that amazing and that big and that moving to come out of a small, heartbroken child. And I learned something that day. The first thing was this, don't ever judge a book by its cover, amen? But also this, sometimes there's different ways to sing the same song. The point is this, whatever your favorite song is, there's different ways to sing the same song because there's different versions of it. For example, at a big concert in front of a thousand people, if you're going to sing Amazing Grace, you may want to have a sound system and a choir and a band. Maybe that version of that song is appropriate for that setting, but out in the woods with only 20 people and everyone's heartbroken, maybe you don't need a band or a choir, maybe just the heartbroken voice of a young girl singing Amazing Grace to her God was all that we needed. And in that moment, it was just perfect. Sometimes different versions of the same song is required for different situations. And many times our words to people when they're at their darkest moment in this life, when they need love the most and they're hurting the most, sometimes it doesn't just matter what we say. Sometimes it also matters how we say. And it not only matters what we say during times of showing God's love. It also always has to matter how we say it to people. And just like there's different ways to sing different versions of the same song, there's different ways to say the same truth to people who are hurting when their heart is broken. We love to give the other people in our life always the loud rock and roll version of the truth and then just say it's the truth, but they won't hear it and they won't accept it and it doesn't help their pain during times of heartache for them. Or we can learn how to speak to people in their pain in a way where they can hear it and see God and feel God and understand God. I don't know about you, but I'm very, very concerned with how I show people Jesus Christ. I don't want people to walk away from God because of me. I want people to draw close to God because of me. I want people to give God a chance because of us. I want people to give God's love a chance because of us. I want, give, I want people to give God's grace a chance because of us. I want people to give God's mercy a chance in His purpose for their life, a chance because of how we love. It matters how we treat people. It matters how we speak to people. It matters how we love people. And when people are struggling and hurting, and by the way, we never know what people are going through. And, and, and when people are going through something that we don't know anything about and there's pain in their heart and there's hurt in their soul, it matters how we make people feel. And it
it matters how we represent God in God's love. Now, it's our mission, our command, and our calling as believers in God and believers in Jesus Christ to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And a good definition for a disciple is this. And so remember this today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Christian means little Christ. A Christian is a disciple. And a disciple is someone who follows Jesus by obeying his example. So as disciples, we don't just believe in Jesus. And as disciples, we don't just publicly say that we have faith in Jesus. But also as disciples, what we're literally trying to do is follow the example of Jesus to the point where we're almost like a little Jesus. We'll never be perfect. We'll never be completely holy like Jesus. But we are trying to follow the example of Jesus and be like Jesus Christ to the point where people say, y'all are Christ-like. You love like Jesus. You love like God. Remember, I remember several years ago being attacked personally in my life. And these attacks were... Very, very intense. But to be honest with you, I knew deep down where some of these attacks were coming from, and it didn't really have much to do with me. I knew the other people in my life that were attacking me, I also knew they were hurting personally in their life. They had deep hurt and personal pain. Now, because of their pain, they were trying to cause pain for other people, specifically me. They were hurting, and so they were trying to hurt me, and they did hurt me. But I also knew where their pain was coming from and where their attacks were coming from. And as they were lashing out at me, I can remember the Spirit of God telling me that if I'm going to follow the example of Jesus, then I do not need to retaliate. And this passage kept coming to my mind. Isaiah chapter 53 Verses 6 through 9, it's in the Old Testament. And this is a prophecy about Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross for you and I because he loves us. It says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's past to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on Jesus the sins of us all. All of us, it says, have messed up. You do, but not just you. The other people in your life have messed up just as bad as you. You're broken, but not just you. The other people in your life are just as broken as you are. And it does show a lack of grace in us when we expect God to forgive us, but we're not willing to show that same love and grace to the other people in our life when they may hurt us too, just when they speak out of their personal hurt or their personal pain. We move on with these verses. Jesus was oppressed. He was treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was hurt. He was oppressed. He was treated harshly. Jesus, speak up for yourself. Fight back. Prove yourself right. You're being attacked. You don't deserve this. You're being oppressed. You don't deserve this. You're being tortured. You don't deserve this. They're going to execute you publicly. You did nothing. Fight back. Stand up for yourself. Speak back. Nope. It says that he did not retaliate. Have you ever seen a sheep getting its wool clipped? It just sits there, silent. It doesn't make a sound. And that's the picture that we get of Jesus. That as he was on trial, it was like a sheep before it shearers is silent. As they were accusing him, he was like a sheep as it was getting sheared 
was just silent as they were ridiculing him and torturing him and stoning him and ripping the skin off of his back and whipping him and nailing him to wood. He was like a sheep before its shearers is silent. Jesus brought his emotions and his words and his desire for revenge and payback under thoughtful consideration because he knew the people around him were hurting. We move on. He was condemned unjustly. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants and that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. The example of Jesus, even in his death, the example of our Lord, even in his death was to show grace. Mercy, love, forgiveness, and thoughtful consideration for what the other people in his life were going through. And thoughtful consideration for what the other people in his life were going through. We're entering the holiday season. For so many people, this is a happy time. But also for so many people and for so many of you, this is a painful time. This is a lonely time. This is a difficult time. And as people who love God, we have to practice thoughtful consideration during these times for the people around us that are hurting, who have hurt in their heart, darkness in their heart, pain in their heart, loneliness in their heart, exhaustion in their heart, and desperation in their heart. Now, in light of all that, let's try to bring this home today by answering just two questions. And so here's the first one. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Will you follow the example of Jesus and be more thoughtful and careful with your words to other people? In times of representing God's love to other people who are going through heartache and pain in their life, it doesn't just matter what you say and when you say it, but it also matters how you say it. We are people of grace and love. And just like you can sing different versions of the same song, there's also more careful thoughtful, considerate ways to share God's love with the other hurting people in your life. I had a friend of mine tell me several years ago, he says, Tony, sometimes you say very good things to me, but sometimes when you say it, it's like you're talking down to me. This is what he was basically saying. Sometimes you say things that I need to hear, but I'm never going to hear it because of the way you say it. It matters. It matters how we treat people who are hurting. It matters. It matters how we extend love to people who are going through very painful times in their life. The second question is this. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. The grace of Jesus was amazing. Is your grace amazing? They oppressed him and they harmed him for us. They arrested him and they ridiculed him for us. They tortured him. They hurled their insults at him for us. They put him on trial and embarrassed him, stripped him naked in front of thousands for us. They nailed him to wood. They publicly executed him for us. He was murdered. And his final words was this, Father, forgive everybody. Father, forgive them. His final words was forgiveness for you and forgiveness for me. All of us like sheep have went astray. We've all messed up. We all have brokenness and he offered us all grace and forgiveness. Now understand something. The other people in your life 
are just as broken as you are. So many times people come to church and they say, Tony, I need help and I need God to forgive me. And when I say things to our church like, man, God loves you no matter what and God forgives you no matter what, people say, thank God, amen. But the other people in your life are just as desperate for forgiveness as you are because they're just as broken as you are. And so we can't hold the other people in our life to different standards that we hold ourselves to. We want God to forgive us. We also have to extend the same forgiveness in times of other people hurting may our words and reactions and conversations and treatment of them be brought under thoughtful and careful consideration as we show God's love to the people around us those were his last words father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing but have you ever thought about the very first words of Jesus maybe after he was born we're celebrating Christmas and he began to grow up and he begins to finally speak the Bible doesn't tell us what the first words of Jesus was as a young child but think about what your first words were mom dad think about that think about there was a moment in the life of Jesus as a child after he was born where his first words was maybe Mom or dad. Matthew 1.18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever realized this about the Christmas story? That our God, our big God, made himself so small in humility and became a child to be taken care of so he could eventually take care of us. That our big God, in humility, he humbled himself and he became so small to be taken care of so eventually he could take care of you and I in our pain. This teaches us that Jesus, the God of love, was willing to do anything to meet you and I where we are in our life exactly when we needed him to and where we needed him to just so you and I could understand him and know him. He's that concerned about every single detail that he moved toward us in our hurt, in our loss, in our pain, and in our confusion. And so this holiday season as we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ, let's just not celebrate his birth. But let's actually follow his example and be very careful how we show love to the most hurting people around us. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for joining in. We absolutely love you and we cannot wait to see you back next week. Have a wonderful week.